This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hello, I'm Janelle. My hobbies include working out. I love red vines and my coffee drink of choice is a blonde cappuccino with coconut milk. Hello, I'm Rachel. Peanut butter gives me cystic acne. I'm currently reading Women Who Run With Wolves by Clarissa Pinkola Estes. And my coffee drink of choice is a decaf Americano. Good day, my name is Lee. I love to drink coffee. My favorite type of coffee will be an Irish coffee. And I like to sing very bad karaoke, but I like to have fun. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. So we're, yeah, we're all in Texas. We are all in Texas. That's kind of funny. ironic. That is. <laughs> it is cold here. Of all places, who brought the cold here? It was me. I brought the cold. <laughs> uh, what happened? You be all the, the Midwesterners to the South. Yeah, exactly. Right. Oh. Lee, are you from? Where are you from originally? Originally from Sweet Home, Chicago. Oh, you are? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Where in Chicago? Uh, the south side. The south okay. side of Chicago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I moved up to the greater north of Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the nor- a northern suburb of Chicago, Libertyville. I don't know if you know it. Oh, yeah. It's basically, yeah. it's basically Wisconsin. I really shouldn't say Chicago, but, <laughs> you know. It's one big state. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um. What kind of karaoke? Bad karaoke. Oh, bad. I love that you just come up with a new one every single time. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna do. Oh my gosh. Uh. <laughs> okay, so you like singing bad karaoke or karaoke or both? Both. So I can't <laughs> sing. I can't sing good, but I love to sing. <laughs> what is your favorite? What's your favorite thing that? Oh, you like to sing off key on purpose. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not on purpose, but it just <laughs> come natural. The off key is just a part of your specialty. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, when I lived in Minnesota, we used to go to this karaoke place that during the day it was. Oh, I'm gonna mess this up. I think it was a Korean haircutting place, and then at night it was a karaoke joint. And so we would go there, and it was the most fun. I can't remember what it was called, though. I do. So- I do love me some karaoke. It sort of scares me. We actually have really good friends in Slow, though, that um, music teacher full-time. He plays basically anything on the piano, and then we get drunk, and we sing around the piano. That's real fun. That's even more fun than karaoke, I feel like. Less pressure. Like a just- piano bar? In the home? Basically, in the home, yeah. So sometimes oh. if you get real drunk, sing, I'll drop into the, do the splits, shit gets crazy. What? <laughs> yeah. To have a piano in the home, that's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you drop into the splits, Lee? Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Maybe in my dreams I did a couple times that, yeah. Like one of those 90s splits where you like bounce back up? Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's carpet, too, and they they have what they dub an Asian household because you're not allowed to wear shoes in their home. Um, and Well, and they're Asian. But, uh, and 
so it's really easy on the carpet. You just like slide and then you just use those inner thigh muscles, slide back up. Magic. Oof. I don't know if I could do that anymore. Flip and slide. You know, if you have enough booze in you, I bet you you could do it. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So are they just playing whatever they want to on the piano or are they like playing specific songs? Like, are they just riffing? Both. There are many books that you can choose <laughs> from. But then Joe's also just very talented. He's the one that plays the piano. And he, a lot of times, can listen to a song and then will start to play it. So even if he doesn't know it, like, you can turn on Spotify and he'll listen for a couple seconds and he'll figure it out. Damn. He's very talented. It's pretty cool. That's so cool. <laughs> I wish I had that skill. I do not. I do, too. I'm, I <laughs> I wish. Not that I have it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I have oh too late to learn. You know, I think that's a God-given talent from birth to have the ability to just, like, hear music and play it. But I could be wrong. <laughs> I feel like I can hear music and allow it to move through my body through movement. I can replicate it like a bird. <laughs> like a bird? <laughs> you know how birds, you could, like certain birds, you whistle and they whistle back like a parakeet or a parrot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like a snow white. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so we're all in Texas. We got that. I'm in yeah. Austin. Lee's in Austin. Rachel's in Dallas. None yep. of us are in the same place, though, but not physically in the same room. It's pretty exciting. So close. Close. So close. It's so it's so fun to, like, I mean, the last time all three of us together was, all three of us were together was, what, like, three years ago? Maybe longer? Probably longer. Ooh, probably four. I say four Lee, years ago? Lee, when did you leave Wisconsin? Ah. <sighs> What, what year is it now? <laughs> it's 2020. <laughs> yeah, I think it was 2016 or 2017. Okay. 17, 18, 19. Okay, maybe 2017. Because so I was out in Seattle for a year, and I've been in Austin for two years now. So, yeah. Yeah, 2017 then. Where does the time go? I, I forgot you went to Seattle first. Is that where yeah. your love for coffee? I'm getting ahead of myself, but is that where your love for coffee began? Or was it a love affair way before then? It was a love affair long <laughs> as a kid. As, as a, a kid? kid. As a kid. Dunkin' oh, Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. I hear they got good coffee. DD. Well, now it's Dunkin' now, so, but yeah. I've heard that too. I, I used to live above a Dunkin' Donuts in Milwaukee, and I don't think I've ever actually been to one, even though I lived what? above it. I know. Have you lived like it? No. <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> Get myself out there. Yeah. Such a sheltered human. <laughs> it's like that classic commercial back in the 70s or 60s. Don't call me on the decade, but it's like, time to make the donuts. So, I'm not sure you remember that. But that's like throwback commercial. Okay. You're Wait. truly a fan. No, no, Janelle, you're living under a rock. I mean, literally every <laughs> single episode, every single episode, Janelle says something so wacky like that. Never been to a Dunkin' Donuts. What? Are you American? Like, what is happening? I don't, like, I'm, well, I'm like stepped in, I don't know. I probably stepped inside of it. I've never ordered anything from a Dunkin' Donuts. That was like literally the Sunday ritual for my family is if we were good, we got to go to get the Dunkin', the donut holes. Yeah. Like, and my favorite were the little donut holes with the Bavarian cream. Oh, Nobody, yeah. nobody, you like those too? 
All of us. Yeah, oh. love it. Custer, oh. yes. You were like that. I hate donuts. I think mm. I don't I I don't have, I don't. Every episode, I just say something to ruin your life. Are we even friends anymore? (laughs) I don't know. Like, in between each episode, I'm like, oh, Janelle, I'm just so glad that you're in my life. You're just, like, this amazing person. And then you drop these bombs. (laughs) And my heart just breaks. You don't say that. (sighs) The Boston cream? Oh, so good. So good. Janelle, for your 2020 vision, you gotta have Duncan. All right, I wanna eat a Dunkin' Donut and drink. What kind are you gonna get? Probably the most plain, boring kind and the smallest, so I don't vomit it back up. Cause... You're not gonna, do you like cake? I mean, you eat red vines. Uh-huh, those are good. Okay, so... Nothing but air. Do you eat muffins and cake? I like muffins. Cake's okay. I can take or leave cake. Unless it's a real good cake. There's some really good cake, but normally, eh. Okay, I mean, it's basically the same thing. I'll say, you know, March is near, so they have the shamrock donuts coming near, so... That's true. That's very on-brand for you. Very (laughs) on-brand. Sure is. Should we introduce... Yes, we should. Let's introduce introduce him. So we have Lee here. We already kind of got a little bit into your backstory, but Rachel and I know Lee from working at Spire Fitness. He was a brand ambassador for us and is also incredibly passionate about coffee. So Lee is on the journey of the bean and you can follow this journey on coffee underscore cheers, which is also very much on your brand. And I always remember this from our time working at Spire, you saying cheers and then also saying shake and bake. So welcome to the podcast, Lee. Ooh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> I have to ask, where did shake and bake come from in the shamrock? All right, so long story short, uh, shake and bake came from back in the old commercial decades of Shake and Bake. You guys know that, right? That commercial. Uh, was it like a food commercial, so. right? Or no? It was like Shake and Bake, like, and the little girl, like, and I, I help. No. <laughs> what okay. are they shaking and baking? Wait. Chicken? Oh, so it was, uh, the chicken. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Chicken, okay. Chicken. okay. Yeah. I'm like, as long as we're so talking about a food commercial, I swear I've seen this one. Yeah, so it's a classic, but... The more modern time is from uh, Ricky Bobby of uh, Pelican the Night. Yes. The okay. Real Pharaoh. Yeah. Shake and Bake. Shake and Bake. So ever since that movie came out, it's probably been over 15 years now. I've been saying that for the longest. So now it became part of me. So, yeah. I use that method to, like, to encourage people to get through, like, stressful times. Uh, to, like, encourage people, like, all right, shake it off. You're just going to bake it out. And we're gonna have fun. So that's how Shake and Bake came part of my motto still now to this day. That's awesome. And then what about the four yes. leaf clover? A shamrock, shamrock. It came back, uh, yes. Uh, my last name is McClendon, which it calls to be part of Wales or part of Ireland as well. But I'm fascinated with the Irish culture and March, you know, the St. Patty's Day as well. And it's just a good time of the year, so it's just like Springtime is in March, daylight saving time, it's March Madness, it's my birthday month. So I figure the green matches all those great things. 
and one big clover. You know what's great about this too is your episode is going to be the first one in March. So you're just oh, going to wow. kick off our March <laughs> podcast too. Welcome to oh. March. <laughs> When's your birthday, Lee? Uh, March 27th. <gasps> yeah. So many March birthdays. My brother's birthday is the 22nd. Ooh. I know. They, they so. say March, March birthdays are the best birthdays. Oh, do they? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've heard that one. I haven't either, but I'm gonna okay, I'm gonna let you have it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um have you always been so I don't wanna say optimistic because I don't think you're optimistic for optimistic sake, but like ever since I first met you, you're just like this grounded um I don't know, you're like you have an expansive, like grounded positivity but not like in a saccharine way it's like in a real grounded way have you always been that way i believe so for the, as i know of yes just simply <laughs> just always i know sometimes it's kind of ironic because i've met people who's like you are too positive and i'm like oh okay i'm sorry but <laughs> um, i mean i understand that in certain situations but for the most part it's just i you know we all go through hard times in life so uh, i figure sometimes we just need more positivity uh, to get through those elements, and um, I know that things aren't always happy, but it's it's good. Just second bake it all. Yeah, it's like I I mean our paths didn't cross for all that long, but you are a memorable person along my journey. Like I always remember you're always smiling, and even if it was like a tough day, you were you just embody shake and bake. I love it. It's very true. Yeah. I feel like the times that you were at Spire were some of my darker more stressful times and you were one of those faces that I always appreciated just seeing and made me find a sense of comfort that's a good element for you know I guess there's some say perfect timing Mm -hmm. I would be curious we're definitely going to get into your passion for coffee that's going to be a huge part of our conversation today and and how you sort of see the world through your passion and your your hobby and and how you got there um but one of the things that also stands out to me from our time together was when you moved to seattle from milwaukee didn't you basically just like put your bike on a train and you took it the amtrak all the way to seattle with like one bag am i making the story up because this is how i remember it (laughs) yeah uh no you're not making it up um yes i I bought a one-way ticket to Seattle from Milwaukee uh, after uh, trying to make a decision to move to Denver or Seattle. And then my final pick was Seattle because I felt like I wasn't landlocked. So you had the mountains, the water, everything I needed. And since I didn't have a vehicle, I just figured this is a good way to take the leap. Uh, I got tired of the cold and snow of the Midwest. As you guys know, it's really horrible at times. And then more of a warm climate, although Seattle it's not much warmer in wintertime, it's just more rain. But yes, uh, one-way ticket out to Seattle, the Empire uh, train, and with my bike. <laughs> and you didn't have a job was, lined up, did you, when you went there? You just went there? Yeah, I had trade work at this hostel, uh, which basically was a trade work. You basically work hours at the hostel in order for your free stay. And I signed up to do two months there and this is without having any other jobs lined up or any other housing. So I was just taking a leap 
in a brand new city I've never been to before um, and not knowing anyone out there. So it was definitely, it was a challenge, but next year, you know, I um, had a great time out there. You're one of those people for me, because at that time I was still in Milwaukee when you left and I was just starting, I, I had always known I wanted to live in a different state, but I'd never really pushed, like I'd applied for a few jobs out of state. Um, but I didn't know a lot of people that just like up and left Wisconsin. And you were one of those people that I very specifically remember being like, Lee just bought a one-way ticket. He took his bike, got on a train. Yeah, they didn't have some big job, but just like went there to leave. And I just remember having so much admiration for that and thinking, man, if he could do that, like there's no reason that at some point you couldn't do that too. So you were really good modeling an example for me as I always toyed with the idea of like, how am I going to get that experience of living in a different state? And it's funny that you said that because I, before I was, I admired other people who like moved to a different country, not knowing like the language. And then now even going back to that Seattle experience, I can like, Oh, you know what? Any new challenge to come across was like, and then the example you gave was like, well, I did move across the country with no job, no housing. And that if I made it through that, I'm sure any other challenges I should be able to handle and get through it. Well, also Seattle is incredibly expensive. So (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, it it really is pretty, it is pretty awesome to, to watch you choose that and to just be like, I'm going to do it. We're going to see what happens. And like, I'll figure out however I land, I'll figure it out. Like it was really, really cool. I had just actually come from Vancouver without a job and was kind of trying to live into the idea that, you know, you could start over and like start a new career. I was in my like young thirties and to have crossed paths with you right when you were doing that was so special for me in kind of a different way. Um, for me, it was like, okay, I'm not the only crazy ass out there. (laughs) There's somebody else who like has these ambitions to kind of just like let go and see what net catches me. And so I appreciated you being a fellow crazy ass. So thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) So how long were you in Seattle then before you went to Austin? I was uh, in Seattle for a whole year, so I got all four seasons in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> what uh, got you to move down to Texas? Oh, uh, at the time, I met my uh, my girlfriend there. We met there in Seattle. She was originally from Texas, and she was staying with her sister in the Seattle. And that's how we met there. And then she missed her family back in Texas. And I was like, well, I mean, I've never been to Austin before. So I took the leap down here to Austin. Nice. So yeah, so I went across the country just to go south again. (laughs) (laughs) So knowing what you know now, what did that experience give you? I think mainly it was, it gave me the opportunity to take on new challenges. It helped me to keep traveling as well, because that's one of my things I love to do as well. 
uh, I guess more likely I'm more like a, a nomad, uh, just to inspire other people who might be uh, that are looking for new adventures, and then just keep going at times, even though it sometimes might be uncertain, but just to accept the new things and see what happens. Do you think that you had that in you before you went to Seattle and that just solidified it? Or was that what you were kind of hoping to get from Seattle? Uh, I guess with the traveling, I guess it started like ever since I was a kid, I was always willing to check out new places uh, from when I, the first time I went to Australia and going across to Europe a couple of times. And I guess that, that urge just to discover more and experience different cultures. That's really cool. I, yeah. I, I was just talking actually to my Uber driver today, which oddly enough, I'm in Austin, as we mentioned, and my <laughs> Uber driver is from the small town that I live in, California. <laughs> so wow. talking to him and he was saying though that he lived in Germany and Italy and uh, is about to, he's been in Austin for a while, but he's about to move down to like Panama or something. Um, and I just like think it's really cool to have those experiences and, and you said this too, to build up your confidence and your ability to be more accepting of change and be, and the ability to be able to better accept when things are new or shocking to the system or don't go the way that you thought them to because you've put yourself in so many scenarios where most of what it initially is is always uncertainty and there's a lot of learning in that oh definitely yes even you know i guess corresponding with that you know i guess that's when sometimes you can be a little bit stubborn because like when you had encountered new things and you feel like the past you have done in the past has led you to where you're at now uh, i think that could be a positive way for also for the future to you know, embrace other changes as well. Yeah, exactly. I love too that you're just like, oh yeah, and then I crossed across Europe a few times. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that. And then I also too, I agree with you on the, like, you know, if you want to do something big, you got to practice on the small stuff and like practice in the ways that you can, where you can to build up that like muscle. Um, I think for a while I was doing that almost in the reverse of like, okay, I wanna feel a sense of self-worth that is currently tied to a specific title and amount of money and I don't want that to be the case. And so how can I start to connect my self-worth to things that aren't that? And so just taking baby steps to start to do things out of my comfort zone and build like, okay, how can I build my self-worth in this specific scenario? And now this specific scenario to the point now where it's like, I feel pretty worthy majority of the things that I step into, but it took time to practice that. Like that didn't happen overnight for me anyways. So I, I love that reminder that the way you get to the big moves is through the small s steps daily, you know, by the minute, by the hour, by the day, by the year, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Should we jump into coffee? Yes. Yeah. And before we do, yeah. I 
just want to share. So my boyfriend is also obsessed with coffee. And that's part of the reason why I was like, when we were thinking about who we wanted to have on this year, I was so excited to have you on because there's this like coffee culture that exists of elitists and like people are crazy for coffee. (laughs) And, And it's almost become like these really cool niche communities. Like everywhere I go now, I seek out the coffee shops because you can get a sense of the community. And I mean, it's crazy. Like if we go to a place where there isn't good coffee, it's like, we're probably not going to go back. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, but I just, I, I, and for me, I'm not so much a coffee drinker. I worked at a coffee shop when I was um, in college in San Francisco, but the, the idea that passions can actually get like, can actually pull you through life a little bit. Um, I think so often, you know, there's a plan and a trajectory and I'll speak for myself. I was, you know, raised under the societal mindset and et cetera of like, you know, you go to school, then you go to college and you get a job. And I even went further of like, and then you buy a house and then you, (laughs) and I did all of those things. Um, But what continued to pull me through all of that and what, you know, I did lose myself for a long time in a lot of that, but what didn't, what stuck was I have a passion for dance and my ability to stay connected to movement and dance through those times, I truly believe like pulled me through it. And I think sometimes we can belittle our, our passions as just these like, oh, these frivolous things, but they actually are like a really key part in connecting us with what's important to us and who we get to be when we do the things that we're passionate about can keep that spark alive. And it's been cool to follow you staying connected to this coffee culture. And that's how I interpret um, coffee for you. And you might see it differently, but that's why I was really excited to have this conversation. Cause I think we, we don't think about the role that our hobbies and our passions play in being able to keep our souls alive as we're figuring out this thing called life. So So yeah. Okay. The question (laughs) Um, after all that, I'd be curious, like, where did it all start? Let's see. I think it all started officially to continue on with uh, coffee. It was, I guess, even like in Chicago and in Milwaukee, uh, you know, Milwaukee had a couple of coffee scenes there. And I guess it's something I've been doing, not realizing it, what I was doing, because uh, in Milwaukee, I would also go to different coffee shops and just trying a different uh, the coffee beans like Collectivo uh, or Terra, I believe a couple of names that was in Milwaukee. And uh, as I went to Seattle, it's always been known for their coffee too. And I guess when, they, when I moved down to Austin, it was a hu- huge coffee scene here. And then it's kind of one of those things like, well, I should have saw like an Instagram or something like that. And it's kind of one of those things, projects that I always wanted to do. And and then one day someone said, just start it. I'm like, okay. So then uh, probably almost like a year ago, I finally started doing my Instagram for coffee. And, and the purpose of it was to share my experience with other people who might be into coffee, uh, to, to connect with people directly over social media and in person and to share that passion with coffee because I, as you can see, with coffee, it connects all types of people, whether they're in business, school projects, work meetings, 
traveling, it's like that community base. So I just want to connect those uh, elements together and share those to other people to bring people together. I love the, the invitation for community because with hobbies, a lot of times, like you said, they get like they can get pushed to the side or we also think that like hobbies or passions have to become our career, which like there are pros and cons to being able to do both. But I think we get this narrative a lot of times where it's like you have to have this passion that like if you really want to do it, make sure it's your job and make sure you, you know, you're following it out and you're making money off of it. And I think sometimes just the invitation that you can have a passion and it doesn't have to be tied to the monetary part of your life, that it can be for community or connection or, I mean, there's plenty of other things you can get from it. Maybe it's just like a, a spiritual process of self if you're into painting or, you know, something something different like that. But I think it's really cool to hear what you're getting from this passion that you have or this, you know, hobby that you have. Definitely, yeah. And it, ironically, with the, it's almost like with like music, uh, I know sometimes people don't follow through music because it's not like a good source of income. But sometimes, you know, or music or dancing, that's what brings people alive. And then sometimes when you are able to find that ability to, to have that hobby into your work pattern somehow, it's very unique. And then along with, uh, with coffee, too, is also having a, the ability to... Uh, to share that experience as well, I think, which is important. And then just luckily enough with coffee is becoming one of those hobbies that is becoming the next trend of, uh, of elements of like wine, fine wine or fine beer. Yeah, totally. Do you, what's your, um, okay, I have a few questions. What's your favorite coffee shop in Milwaukee or coffee roaster? Would you, do you, look at the roast, the beans that are being roasted or like, I don't know, whatever, however you want to answer it. In Milwaukee? Yeah. Honestly, I can't remember the, the coffee shop. It was the coffee shop across the train station. Stone City? Stone, oh, Stone Creek. Creek. Stone, Stone Creek. Creek. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Stone Creek. It's, it's changed a little bit. That used to be Dylan's favorite one too, but it's not anymore. He likes oh. Kickapoo now. Yeah. Kickapoo. Shout out yeah, to Kickapoo. Kickapoo. Dude, <laughs> Kickapoo. The owner at Kickapoo, this is very off topic, but the owner, even now, what, it's been two years since I moved, I go back there. He still knows my name. He still knows my order. Like, I just love that place. He's like, oh, hey, Janelle, Jade Cloud Green Tea with the granola bar. I'm like, oh my God, yeah. Thank Aww. you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I love him. Anyway, so shout out to Kickapoo in Milwaukee. <laughs> But Lee, you make a really good point. It's like, I never really thought about that aspect of coffee because I don't really drink it all that much anymore. Um, but I drank it a lot when I worked at that coffee shop and it, I kind of got a little caffeine crazies. And so, um, <laughs> but it is such a sense of community and like people do remember your drink and it is part of a routine where you like show up and you see familiar faces and that is interesting. Like I am now thinking about how that is, that that does exist in the world. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Do you think that there is like a best type of coffee or is that not an appropriate question to ask? 
Uh, no, it's a perfect question to ask. It all depends on people' preference based off if they like. It's, I guess it's so broad. It's almost like because uh, there's so many regions of coffee around the world. It's so hard uh, for me to pick out one. Uh, I guess because each one I find that a new favorite one. And then there's also like a new one I keep finding because based off like the the mountain range or the soil. Whether it's like volcanic or it's more like the the location. It's so I guess honestly that's like a tough one. But yeah. I guess my latest favorite right now is, is uh, some coffee from uh, Papua New Guinea, and because some of the flavor notes I was um, I received the mail they had like hazelnut, peanut, and bourbon. Those mm-hmm. some of the flavor notes. So uh, yeah, I guess back to your question is. I guess more like, I like a, a medium roast, if that makes sense. Okay. Is that, is it like as people's palates, like, you know how in wine, as people's palates, you know, uh, become more mature, they, don't they tend to like Merlots more? Or is that just because I watched the movie? I don't know. <laughs> no, but is there like, <laughs> is there, is a medium roast for more of a mature palate that has like, I don't know been drinking coffee uh it varies um because when you have like a darker roast uh those type of coffees tend to have like more like a chocolate like you know a not bitterness but like a real chocolate flavor and people tend to use like cream of sugar for those type of coffee uh, i guess a prime example would be like starbucks uh, most of their coffee is like a darker roast kind of like a burnt taste and most of those beans would be like people could add more sweeteners, but for people who have like more mature palate, more like a light medium roast, uh, those flavors, people are able to pick up different notes that might be prone based on the region. So it could be like fruity, it could be chocolate, nutty. Um, then people could tell like if it's acidic or not. Yeah, I should have had Dylan on here because he, he he would geek out with you, but he <laughs> definitely is more of like a lighter roast guy. And like now I can tell when we go back to visit his dad and, and his stepmom, they'll have, they always get the real oily beans and mm-hmm. it's, they're so oily. And then I'm like, I don't know. I just like, I never noticed that stuff before. And I'm like, and you can tell, like, I'll taste a little bit. I don't do too much because I become, like I said, a crazy person on caffeine, but you can taste the differences. Like once you sit um, and there's actually if you ever get a chance to go up to Vancouver, there's a place, I think it's called Revolver, and you could get a flight of coffee where it was one bean made like four different ways. So it'd be a French press, pour over, I'm not gonna be able to think of any other ones, but that way you could taste them side by side and see how the different ways that you make the beans um, bring the flavors to life. It was really cool. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, um, for the typical person who probably would just use like an automatic drip at home, won't know those other types of the ways to do brew coffee. You know, like I say, that you made a good point. Like when you grind it at different settings, it does make a difference. You know, and that's the craziness for coffee because you could do it one way and you can say, oh, it tastes like this. But if you brew it in a different way, it's like a totally different perspective, even though it's the same bean you're using. 
Yeah, it's so crazy. How do you make your coffee at home? Uh, typically, just automatic press, auto drip. So it's, like- it's like the typical or traditional. You put the water in the coffee pot. You put your grounds on top and let it boil. Oh yeah. Okay. And okay. Have you heard of um in Wisconsin there is church coffee? Have you heard or basement coffee? It's either church coffee or basement coffee. Church coffee? No. Have you heard of this, Chanel? I live under a rock, so of course not. <laughs> Apparently, what you do is you make the coffee by putting just putting the grounds of coffee in water. And then you crack an egg in it, a raw egg, and then the egg like pulls in all of the grounds and then you pour the coffee. Like that acts as the filter. Oh. <laughs> Sounds disgusting, doesn't it? <laughs> that's probably basement coffee. I feel like that's... <laughs> I think it's basement coffee. But I think my mom said that she remembers it in Sheboygan because she grew up in Wisconsin. And she was like, oh my gosh, I remember that. Sheboygan. Huh. I'm not trying. I gotta look that one up again. I heard yeah, with coffee with egg, but not that method. I mean, I could be getting it wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what, it, what she said it was. Like, she always jokes around when we go home for Christmas that she's gonna make basement coffee for Dylan, and he's like, Don't freaking make me basement coffee, I will not drink it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. So what keeps you coming back to coffee? Like we kind of talked about some of the things you get from it, but like sometimes I wonder with hobbies and maybe the difference between a hobby or passion, if we consider them one and the same, like hobbies come and go, passions don't. I don't know if that's actually an accurate statement, but why do you feel like this is continued for you? Uh, I think it's it's a fine line because as it's like an education, uh, purpose behind it too as I keep learning more about coffee it keeps keeps going and there's like more techniques keep popping up and then like and now I'm always intrigued to learn more and I guess it's like one of those elements that's something that I can really get uh, grasp on doing and grow with it and then hopefully to become a, a teacher for other people to share uh, the elements of coffee behind just a just not only just in the cup of coffee, but to also to teach the journey behind it, like from the coffee farmers who are picking the coffee beans and the whole process that is hard work. And I would like to go into deeper um, to those places and show people, you know, that cup of coffee is not easy to get to. And just to, I guess, more of like an education purposes behind it as well. Yeah, that's cool. And is it, do you think that you're gonna, do you think you'd ever, try to go to like a coffee farm and like experience that process? Yes, uh, hopefully this year in 2020, um, as, as I renew my vows for my passport, um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to travel a couple of places, people I've met, they have uh, family uh, coffee farms like Nicaragua, Guatemala, and uh, Puerto Rico. So I would love to travel to those places and get a first hand experience um, going through the whole process, how the beans are being harvested, uh, all the work that's been done to be planted as well, and then how to go from the farm to cup, essentially. 
so many questions for you because this is so fascinating. <laughs> Do you want to ask your question, Janelle? Well, I guess it was just less of a question, but I, I, I think sometimes with food in general and what you're speaking to here, which is a great way to think about it, is how much effort and what an art form a lot of times our food is. I know for me personally, I've had phases where I've been really into cooking and then currently I don't actually cook that much, but the labor of love that goes into whether it be coffee or food, and especially when you're thinking about not just how it's being made either in your home or in a a coffee shop, but going all the way to the source like that, all the different factors that truly are, like you said, the journey of the bean from when it's grown to when you're consuming it. I mean, there's just so much that goes into it, which I think is something that we don't think about very often. Yeah, that's, you know, and along with that too, and then you're talking about when you drink that cup of coffee, I always tell people it's more like a uh, a drinkable art because uh, I have the ability to work in round coffee as well. And then when I make my latte art, I make a little, little heart and people look at it and say, oh, it looks so beautiful. I can't drink this. And I was like, you know what? It's just like like when you cook food, you may make it look elegant. But with the art of coffee, you just make sure all the flavors come together. So when you present it, you can embrace it. And then hopefully that changes your mood for the rest of the day. Because I've seen people who haven't had a coffee in the morning time. And it's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like sometimes being like the front line um, Sometimes also we see people at first time in the morning, you're like the first person they encounter. And sometimes it's bad, sometimes good, but at the same time, it feels like sometimes like a, it's, it's interesting how coffee could change a person's mood for the day. Uh, even though it's something that you just drink, it could be a quick three, $5 cup, cup of coffee, but that cup of coffee does make a difference for that person uh, journey for the rest of the day. It is so true. and i love i just i love your call out around the nuances and i've actually i think i've shared this on the podcast before um and i'll share it again because obviously you weren't part of those conversations but i've been really trying to just lean into the specialness of the seemingly mundane moments of my day Um, I have had a tendency to be somebody who's like a thrill seeker and I'm always looking for like the next adventure, the next thing I can jump off of and like, where will I land? And, um, finding the excitement in the simple pleasures of life and you talking about all these nuances to coffee, there's like a mindfulness, a thoughtfulness, a presence to that that really you could probably get with just about anything i mean even pencils you could be like the process to make a pencil and why this lead versus that lead and the color that you choose and you know the art the artistic side of it and i just love the invitation that you're bringing to me right now around the depth and the breadth that the seemingly mundane things in our lives can have and yeah and how you can experience them with other people like you said you know a simple act of just like putting a heart in the foam 
like can change the trajectory of somebody's day potentially and how simple that is um, and how, you know, benign a cup of coffee seems, but, you know, it's actually a catalyst for connection, for, you know, positivity, for whatever. Um, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and then ironically, you're talking about how it, changed, it can change a person a day. I remember um, just last week, this guy came in, and I could tell something, because I also could feel like people vibe sometimes, and I could feel like people energy uh, subconsciously is based off like how they come in. And I could tell something was wrong, but uh, this person, I was like, oh, how's your morning going? And, and he was like, I just quit my job. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. And it was like kind of like, it was kind of like a deep part. And then I was like, oh. And he said, well, it's fine. And he's like, I felt like I wasn't being appreciated enough. And then he said, well, you know what? Tomorrow I have a, another interview. But at the quick moment, it was like, it's like, ooh, that's me. When you quit your job at the heat of the moment, it could t- definitely make a difference for your day. But for him to come in to still get coffee, I felt that it was like my opportunity to embrace that and also hopefully to change his mood for the rest of the day. And hopefully that cup of coffee would make things better a little bit, you know, just based off just talking and understanding the situation and just listening mainly. And I thought that was pretty deep. And that's why I think also the passion with coffee, if I can make that connection with someone, whether it's like 30 seconds or an hour, I think those are crucial time that could, you know, help a person as well. Yeah, it's so true. We, we spoke to somebody in season one who's a hairdresser. She is actually my hairdresser in Milwaukee. And it's the same thing. It's almost like the hairdresser um, story in that like you sit down thinking you're going to get a haircut and she used to just hear all sorts of stuff and you know it is the same like that coffee that moment where that usually is a thing for people that's like their consistency or their I don't it's not like you're vulnerable when you're ordering a cup of coffee but that's like sometimes people's special treat you know and when you're getting something that is that special for you you're you at least for me like when I'm buying something special for myself or I'm treating myself I I am I'm in a different space within myself and you get to meet people at that space and not that everybody's there but um, a lot of people are and your ability to meet them there like it does require kind of a specific well I guess it doesn't require anything people could still be dicks but um, (laughs) you know but you're not doing that and um that is making a difference um even though it might seem small it's not Mm. yeah it's cool do you have a vision for how coffee plays a role in your life at this point i believe it helped the the vision it helped me to find what I wanted to do in life. Um, even like after going to college, I went to like for uh, communication, emphasis in public relations. And then I went to culinary school. And, and after all that, you know, you still don't know what to do in life. And I felt like with coffee, it gave me the vision to uh, utilize other skills that I thought I was going to go for. Cause I thought I was probably going for like a, um, 
maybe like a, the next chef on TV or be the next sports anchor on ESPN. But now it's like, well, those elements I used in the past, I could be the next person to use um, those those skills maybe for the next coffee show, maybe in the future. Or if there, I could use like that on Instagram, you know, just be like influence people based off my passion and then connecting those people directly and connecting business as well. And hopefully maybe to, you know, be a, a coffee consultant for new business uh, coffee shops in the future. I love that. And I love, I went, when I was, uh, I went to my my Italian grandmother's 100th birthday like three years ago. She's 100, going to be 103 this year. And when we were driving to New Jersey from Milwaukee, we went through Hershey, Pennsylvania. And so we got to see the Hershey Museum, or we chose to see it. And what how Hershey became so successful is that they saw like the assembly line and the things that Ford was doing and some of the other mass-produced um, products and how they were working and decided I'm gonna make chocolate be available for every person everywhere. And he kind of used what worked in other areas and brought it to chocolate or brought chocolate to that. And I hear you kind of recognizing that same ability to to see what's working and to find a new avenue to bring to life connection, to bring to life art, to bring to life um, community and experiential things. Um, it's really cool. And I also hear in it that you're not necessarily living for this ultimate view or vision of what's to come. I mean, that's there, but that you're kind of taking it as inspired each step of the way and like really enjoying each step of the process. That's what it sounds like to me. Does that feel true? Oh, definitely. Yes. And, and uh, like I say, I don't know what the future holds, but right now it feels really good. <laughs> so I'll just roll, roll in with the punches. I think that's really important, though. Um, my Someone in my life always loved working on cars. That was their passion, their hobby, and they eventually went on to become a mechanic and to run their own shop. And... I think it can be easy, especially as you you grow and you have these beautiful visions. Um, he he once shared, you know, I used to have a hobby, um, and you know, a job that was different. But now I've lost my hobby because it's sort of that that passion was lost in the I don't know the grind of trying to create and generate money to sustain your life. And I I think there's like a a very a balance that needs to happen. I mean, you can definitely do something that you're passionate about and make money off of it, and that doesn't have to go away. But all those little kind of nuances that you're mentioning, I just think it's very important that you don't lose though those as you continue to grow into potentially monetizing your your hobby or your passion. So I think it's like a nice fine balance. Got to keep that fire going. Mm-hmm. Well, and I hear too in that, Janelle, that you're saying it's not that making your hobby, it's not that making your hobby your job is a bad thing. No. It's that when it was your hobby, 
you were experiencing and interacting with that thing differently than when you make it your vocation or your job. And so how can you invite in elements or remember to invite in some of those elements of, um, you know, depth or curiosity or continue to be, I'm just saying the things that I think of, like Mm -hmm. continuing to find new ways to play with it or not being attached to the outcome. Like all of those things, remembering to still have space to, to play um, to have that element of curiosity, to have that element of when it was a hobby and who you got to be with it, even as you're growing your business, or it does just become a checkbox and, uh, you know, have to, exactly. I mean, I can speak to that from, mm-hmm. yeah, my own life too. So it's, and even for this podcast too, you know, thinking about how we always stay connected to what where the the spark to your point, Lee, like, where does the spark exist in this? How do I keep that flame alive? How do I stay connected to it as we are continuing to figure out how do we keep growing and how do we keep making this something that could be sustainable if, if that's what it decides it's going to be. It's, it's a really great call out. Yeah. I was listening to Gary V, one of my, (laughs) one of my current idols, uh, check him out. He's all over the internet. But he was also he was talking to someone that was in their twenties, and they they had been in real estate, and this was their passion. It was driving them. They had been doing it for two to three years. They were making all this money, and they told him, "I'm really burnt out. I don't know what to do." And one of the things that he brought up, he's like, are you actually burned out? Or maybe has your passion just changed? Like maybe you did that for two to three years and it was a great passion. You had this experience, you learned it, you loved it. And now you're just not that interested in it anymore. And it's time to learn something new. And like, that's totally okay too. So on the kind of the other side that I think we, we sometimes we hold on to things very tightly and think like, just cause we started a passion and we had it for two to three years, like if it doesn't feel right anymore, Um, And to my story too, like maybe that's just not their passion anymore. And that happens too. It's totally normal that you might jump there from passion to passion or, or hobby to hobby, or, or maybe that passion stays with you kind of like Lee, you've been saying since you were young and continues throughout your life, but it doesn't necessarily just because you only liked it and were very passionate about it for two to three years. Doesn't mean it wasn't a, you know, valid experience and, and learning process. I guess that's also relatable to um, like a relationship, you know, either you have that passion, how do you, can you make it to improve it and then communicating those skills all around as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that is actually everything I said would also apply to a relationship. Good call. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a failure necessarily, but just a learning process and, you figure out when it's time to let go of things in your life. Well, right, because you're ho- you have a relationship with your hobby. Exactly. And so that makes absolute sense. And I would say too, to your point, Janelle, your hobbies can change and then they can come back around in totally different ways. Like dance for me has been a constant at a macro level, but not a constant at a micro level. And it's re- had to reinvent itself many times and you know at one point I completely walked away for it for for years walked away from it for years and then you know I found this group of dancers who wanted to do horror horror dance and then 
that was fun. And that lasted for a while. And I thought I was back on the dance train and then that went away. And I just, I, every time I go to a dance class, I just like, I would have fun, but I wasn't, I mean, I used to spend hours dancing every single day. And then I got into, you know, cycling and running up mountains and all these other things. And then literally last week I decided, or a month ago, I decided to go to this class at Arts Mission here. And it was more of just like momentum-based dance, <laughs> which is like um, contemporary, but not with formal moves so much as paying attention to how your body is moving and the momentum that gets it to make certain shapes. And it's a totally new way of moving for me. And I am obsessed with it. I'm like excited every Friday when I get to go to this class and I haven't felt that way in forever. And so it's cool to also allow yourself to be unattached to how it shows up and just allowing it, allowing that relationship to ebb and flow and grow and change so that that freshness can show up and you can allow it to show up. Because if I was just trying to make it look like the horror dance groups that I, I thought that's not replicated, like that's not going to happen again. And so allowing it to uh, become what it's meant to become now in my life and trusting that it's going to make its way back through is, has been a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's definitely that balance. I've actually struggled a lot of times just keeping hobbies in general or making time for them. I don't know if either of you have any thoughts on on that because it can be easy to get wrapped up in work. And again, sometimes there's that blurred line between like your passions are a part of your work. I think I had that at the studio, group fitness and working out. That is a hobby of mine. And I think it took me a really long time to figure out that that could also be a hobby in addition to what I was doing for work. Like it was kind of just like, this is my career. Um, Mm -hmm. But then realizing what I got out of that, even if it wasn't my quote unquote career, like what was driving me to continually go back to it. Yeah. I don't think I ever thought about having or not having hobbies it's almost if I was going to categorize what my hobbies were, it was probably just self-expression in whatever I was inspired to express, however I was inspired to express it at that moment. But I don't think I was ever overtly trying to have a hobby. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, I just feel like I had kind of not a big identity crisis, but in my younger 20s when I was figuring out who I who I was and a lot of times we tie, and I think we've had conversations about this before, but a lot of times we tie our identity to our career very heavily. And I definitely did that. But then when I was examining that and looking, I was trying to say, okay, who else are you other than this person that runs this business? And for me, I just like, I couldn't see anything else. And that was when I think I realized, I'm like, I don't have any hobbies. All I do is this. And so trying to figure out what that means, like who am I and does it matter that I don't have any other hobbies? Probably not, but I I sort of felt like I, I wanted to have something else. Like internally, I felt like I should have something else that I was passionate about. Like people would meet me and they'd be like, oh, like, what do you do for fun? And I'd be like, I don't know. 
work. So that was just kind of interesting for me, like how it played in with my identity and I guess just like figuring out what exactly my hobbies are. Because now if you ask me, it's like, okay, I go hiking, like I stand up paddleboard, I do like activities. Um, But sometimes I think it's like different. I don't know. Did you, at those times when people were asking you that, were they, was the context of the conversation that you were trying to find hobbies or were they just asking you out of curiosity? They were just asking me out of curiosity and Mm. I didn't have an answer. (laughs) Well, the reason I ask is because I remember, like I said, I didn't really like think about having hobbies, but I do remember in like my mid to, I don't really know, my numbed out twenties when I was having a conversation with a friend and I just was miserable. I just wasn't happy. And she was like, what used to bring you joy? Like, what did you used to do that was fun? And then from there, I would think about the things I used to do when I was a kid, which was like, make at home lo-fi horror movies or like dance, you know, or I collage or whatever other random shit that I did. And she was like, okay, well, what if you just, when you find yourself feeling like life sucks and I don't know what to do with my time and what this feels bleak, like the idea of how my life is supposed to look feels not fun at all. And I like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. And this is depressing can you invite yourself to do one of those things that you used to enjoy? And I mean, I had to get over myself because my ego would be like, okay, I'm not going to collage. Like I'm so much better. And then I'd be like, get over yourself, go buy a magazine. And then I'd just like be like, okay, I'm going to do it for an hour. And then I'd be having so much fun. And I actually think that that was like a spark that shifted in me. It wasn't necessarily people asking me that caused my hobbies to become a thing is that I was miserable in my life. Yeah. I mean, I shouldn't laugh about it. It was pretty serious. Um, and, and in trying to figure out what I was supposed to do with that, cause I was like, I can't fucking live the rest of my life in this. This is terrible. Like this sucks. And then to invite myself, like, how could I, when in my life have I had fun? Then all of a sudden I started doing things that I think eventually became my hobbies. And especially with the moving around and Lee, you might know this too. In being so nomadic, knowing what I can go to, knowing what I can trust that will bring me joy on small levels, on big levels. So like for me, if I know that there is a gym that I can go to, um, if I know where the grocery store is, if I have a jigsaw puzzle, if I have a good book, um, and then coffee for Dylan. And usually, I mean, tea is like kind of starting to become a thing for me. Then I know I have like at least five things that if I'm in a place where I'm like, I don't know anyone, I don't know what I'm doing. What did I do? Where am I? What's happening? Mm-hmm. I can like anchor to these things. And that's always really helped me to be able to take leaps because I know that I can bring those things with me, if that makes any sense. No, I think it does. And it's, it is relatable because actually at that point in my life, I wouldn't say I was incredibly happy. I was not very happy, which probably speaks to having that passion, that spark, those things that are just fun in your life because I, I felt the same way. Like I was not very happy probably because I wasn't doing much that was making me happy and I wasn't doing things for myself that 
created joy in my life. I was too focused on one thing, so it's relatable. Yeah. Um, Lee, when was the first time you ever tasted coffee anything? Let's mm, see. I think it was a, probably when I was maybe nine, and it was with Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, yeah, you said that, you said that. Oh, no worry. Because so, correspond with that, because uh, my stepdad, he kind of like, always told me like, oh, I can't drink coffee because it was stunt my growth. And, you know, all those conspiracy about coffee, which are like, I'm not going to be that tall anyway, but yeah, I think <laughs> I was probably about nine years old. And I was like, he, he would always get Dunkin' Donuts as well. And I'm like, I want coffee too. And there's all this social growth. And I'm like, never believed it. And years later, I find out it's a myth. So I could drink more coffee then. Oh, I love myths. My grand, my Italian grandma used to tell me that pasta would grow hair on my chest, so I should drink more, or I should eat more of it. <laughs> my mom would be like, stop saying that. Like, um, the first time I ever had coffee was coffee ice cream. My mom is a coffee fiend, and she would always get like, we couldn't eat her coffee ice cream. We weren't allowed to touch it. And so mm. I remember my brother and I going to the grocery store and getting our own like little pint. And being like we're gonna this is gonna be gross but we're gonna try it and then we both were like oh my gosh this is so good <laughs> oh man it was so good have you ever tried an avocado before? yes i just tried it the other day it's so good wait a yes. what <laughs> god uh, avocado 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 it's a uh I, vanilla, typically vanilla ice cream and you have espresso and you dump the espresso on top of the vanilla ice cream, uh, and it's amazing. It's like so, game changer. Yeah, so good. Still live under a rock, but I also don't eat ice cream because lactose intolerance. But well, you can do coconut or something. Yeah, yeah they got none dairy ice cream. Do they get like cashew now? Yeah, I know people keep telling me that, and I'm like, I don't eat ice cream. They're like, you can choose something, but I guess I don't know. <laughs> oh, since you are in Austin, there is quite a few vegan ice cream places here. All right, you so gotta hit me saying. up. I used to go to the one at the public market in Milwaukee. That one I used to uh, eat ice cream at, but oh yeah, that was like the last time I actually basically <laughs> ate ice cream consistently. <laughs> Janelle, when's the first time you had coffee? I don't know. I probably didn't have it until I was in college, to be honest. Like early college, maybe. So I don't think I ever drank coffee in high school. Did you like so it? Was Starbucks. Probably. I'm not a coffee connoisseur. Um, did I like it? No, but I also, I, I drink, like, I'll drink cappuccinos and things like that, but coffee. Okay, and... how can you have cappuccino, but you can't have ice cream? Because it's with coconut milk. Oh, okay. Uh... <laughs> Just kidding. Then you can have the coconut ice cream. Yeah. You gotta have the avocado. There you go. I'll have to try it, but I still, every once in a while, I drink coffee, but I'm not a huge coffee drinker. I'm more of a tea. Like, I'm a tea snob. Yeah. I'm a tea snob, too. Well, I used to be a tea snob until I got into cacao. Do you know anything about cacao, Lee? Cacao, cacao. Why does it ring a bell for some reason? <laughs> it's a, it's a um, chocolate. Uh, raw, like, 100% cacao chocolate. So Oh, it's, yeah, yes. Yeah, it's it's kind of similar in terms of I, I don't I don't think you necessarily roast the beans differently like you do with coffee, but the process is very uh, ritualistic and ceremonial, and um, 
the the way that you drink cacao is very much in building relationship with the plant and so i've been really really into it i love it so you have to give it a try yeah you have to give it a try not the cacao powder use (laughs) firefly cacao ceremonial grade cacao cacao the only way to do it like it so lee (laughs) important question for you how do you live your true north in one word one word it would say what is traveling <laughs> I love, I love that's that. awesome i also love how you phrased it in jeopardy too <laughs> cool well if anyone if anyone wants to reach out and learn more about coffee get a hold of you follow your adventures where can they contact you definitely you could hit up instagram on the gram at coffee c o F F E E underscore cheers C H E E R S. Perfect. Dude, you're the best. Yeah. So <laughs> See, with you again. I know. This is a treat. Yeah. I love Man. all the old connections coming forward. Yeah. I know it's been too long, but I really appreciate it. This is my first official podcast. And you did it. Yeah. You did a great <laughs> yeah. job. Man. Well, congrats to you guys. This is your third season. Thank you. Thank you. Great, you know, and uh, keep it strong. Yeah, Uh, thank you. Yeah, look for me tomorrow and Friday. If you see me running around the hotel at all, yell yell for me. I'll come say hi. Yell shake and bake. Yeah, yell shake and bake. Oh, yeah. You have to, by the way, for the record, you have to try out a drink. It is non-dairy as well. It's called the Soko. Oh. What is it? Can I get at the hotel? Indeed, yes. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it's called the Soko because it's based off of local, which I use local names. So, should I tell you now or should yeah. you just try yeah, it? Yeah, tell it. Yeah, tell me. Okay. So, <laughs> so essentially, it, it is coconut syrup with oat milk and with a nitro cold brew on top. Okay, that have sounds it, amazing. Yes, yeah, so you can have it nitro, cold brew, or hot. <gasps> Wait, so I can get this at the hotel tomorrow? Indeed. It was created from your truly coffee cheers. <laughs> okay, wait. Say it. So it's called what again? The Soko. Soko. Yes. Okay. Okay, you have to take a photo of it, Janelle. I will. Can I We're... order it in Dallas or is it just an Austin thing? Uh, just Austin right oh, now. Geez. Yes. Maybe I should trademark it. And yeah, you should. should. Do I get it at like, the hotel bar? Where am I going to get this? <laughs> it would be at the coffee shop that we have at the hotel okay. called Good Things. Oh, Good Things. I've been seeing that everywhere since I got here. Okay. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I feel like a bunch of people have been drinking it. Okay, noted. I will – so I'll be over there, so I'm going to do it. I'm so jealous. I might have to Instagram message you in case I forget what it's called, but – Oh no! Well, I should be there, so hopefully I'll be, okay. I be—I can make it for you. Maybe even better. Okay, I'll undo oh. it. <laughs> okay, so uh, one last question, Lee. When you say shake and bake, was there a hand gesture along with it? I can't remember. No. No, I think it became more of like a fist pump. Fist pump. Okay. Fist pump. I was doing a hang ten. Mm. Shake and bake. <laughs> <laughs> Will you video that. yourself doing that and Please. saying shake and bake for us? Like a boomerang? Yes. 
But then I also need to but, hear you say it. So yeah. do a boomerang and a video. I'm high maintenance right now. That <laughs> <laughs> would be like a great commercial. Shake I know. It's going, yo, totally. It's going to go on the gram. We're going to be like, Lee's coming on the podcast. Shake it, babe. Shake it, babe. I'm yeah. also doing a hang 10 right now. I wish you could see it. <laughs> I'm going to do I'm gonna do one where I'm hanging 10. Do it. Am well, I I'll have to do it. Are we going to ruin it, Lee? Are we going to ruin your thing? Is this trademarked? Are you going to come after us? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I got to go, you guys, but you're amazing. Thank you so much, Lee. You you. are a phenomenal human, and I'm so glad that I've met you and you're in my life. Um, To be continued. To be continued. Exactly. Coffee. Coffee this weekend, Austin. I'm coming for you. Okay. ATX. ATX. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Thank you. I know. I want to, but I can't. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard today, leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.